0: Hey, it's Sean from Radio Free Professional Wrestling. Before we get to this week's episode, I'm giving you guys a look forward to next week's interview with Andy Shepard, the voice of NXT UK. As me and David were able to sit down with him to discuss his time at WWE and being the voice of NXT UK. So enjoy this clip, enjoy today's show, and get ready to listen to the full interview next week on Radio Free Professional Wrestling.
1: And when Clash of the Castles announced, like man, wouldn't it be cool if, like, on the Thursday or the you know the Friday or Saturday or whatever, there was some kind of NXT UK takeover or something or the whatever? So I think a lot of us would have loved it. Of course, you know, of course, would have loved it. Um, but as, we, as you got closer, obviously, it wasn't gonna. Uh, appear, but yeah, you know, I think I went to the clash and I thought it was an amazing yeah. event, you know. So um, but yeah, look, of course, of course, would have loved to do something. If anyone says, hey, do you want to do a big go somewhere? Of course, the answer is yes. Yeah, I'm due to be the Floyd with Mayweather show uh, this Saturday against Aaron Chalmers, um, and then yes, yeah, some some very cool things coming up um in the next in a, well the short short term. Which uh, follow me on the old socials, you'll find out about them. This is Radio Free Pro Wrestling. The home of smart and stunning wrestling takes.
0: Well, ladies and gentlemen, welcome to this episode of Raven Free Professional Wrestling. We are coming off of a crazy weekend. WWE Elimination Chamber exceeded everybody's expectations. And we had a strong New Japan Pro Wrestling fall in the valley. I am joined by Jake from the Winning City. Jake,
1: it was a crazy weekend. How are you doing? Bonjour. It was a heck of a weekend in Montreal. I'm still getting some flashbacks around how hot the crowd was. So, yeah, we have have one hell of a show to review here. It's RFPW's flashback. The guys catch you up on what you may have missed in the past week of wrestling action.
0: Okay, Jake, we are going to start talking about the Battle at the Valley for New Japan Pro Wrestling. And if you were on Twitter, you got to see a picture of a certain person that was there and it was cm punk and i saw this as i was watching the show and i kind of noticed it during the kenta match and i felt like kenta turned around and looked at cm punk and kind
1: of maybe flipped him off there right before he had to go to sleep and then he pointed the gts uh, uh at him as well <laughs> yeah it was kind of surprising to see punk um uh there at the show uh he was at the uh the media box um where he's at uh, on the top section uh but it was pretty cool that that's the uh Traveled all the way from Chicago to uh, San Jose to see to pretty much see the the show, and uh, I think I think she I think he was there to um, check out the Mercedes match uh, mainly uh, as well. So I know that he doesn't like to usually like to travel a lot um, outside of you know personal engagements. Uh, But yeah, I mean it was it was was a pretty it was a pretty um, good surprise to see him there.
0: Okay, Jake. So they had two matches under pre-show on YouTube. They had Alex Collins defeat J.R. Kratos by pinfall in about ten minutes, and they also had. David Finley beat Bobby Fish, which I was kind of surprised at, but it played on later in the
1: show. We'll talk about it. Yeah, it makes sense. Uh, put the snap suplex on um on Bobby Fish, and it was a pretty pretty much decent match overall. And at first, I was a little bit surprised about the finish of this match, but uh, it definitely played uh, later on in the show, especially in the uh, especially um uh, later on the show. Uh, that's so we'll discuss later on with Jay White. Okay, so the card opened up proper with
0: Kashida, Valdor Jr., Kevin Knight. And the DKC defeating Dorada, Josh Out Center, Adrian Quest, and Rocky Romero by pinfall in an eight man tag
1: match. It went about 11 minutes and 22 seconds. And this was a fun freaking opener. One heck of an opener to start off the show and to get the crowd going. Um, you know, Dorada hit a moonsault on the floor in the ring, went for uh, Alexander, went for the C4 Spike, and man, Kushida. Uh, I'm really happy to see Kushida here, uh, because we didn't see a lot of him, uh, unfortunately, uh, during the past year. And obviously, well, um, you can't go wrong with Josh Alexander. I mean, whatever he does in the ring, it's spectacular. So, yeah, I mean, and I, I, I also I thought commentary was very good. you know, Scott Scott D'Amour, uh, sat in on commentary for this match um, um, as an Impact guy. So, yeah, overall, a very good, a very good way to start the show.
0: Jake, I was enjoying Egan Rickenbody being joined by the former 80 English on commentary. I thought this commentary team was making this card even better than what it was.
1: Made it very important too. And uh, Ian Riccoboni, I mean, this past year, I mean, he has really proved himself to be a top, to be a top-rounded um, wrestling announcer. And the way he articulates himself uh, when doing matches and how well-researched he is. Uh, yeah, I mean, you can't go wrong with uh, Ian Riccoboni, especially when doing a New Japan show like this. Uh, when, when, he, uh, when he does only okay uh, only occasional matches here and there. I thought he did very well um throughout the show. Okay Jake this the second match on the
0: main card was Kenta versus Fred Roster for the New Japan strong open weight championship. This is where I came into the card live on Saturday night. It was just right after the NA elimination chamber and I got into this match here. This was a great showing for Fred Roster and Fred Roster has done wonders from the time that he was in the WWE and I kind of felt bad for him losing to Kenta. I was like feeling like Maybe they should have kept the title on Fred Rosser.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's interesting because like I don't watch a ton of New Japan uh strong, but uh the times that I do get to watch him, uh Fred Rosser uh, really does a great job um positioning himself as a top uh, as a top person. And um yeah, with Kanta going for the go to sleep and then and unfortunately with the interference of Juice Robinson hitting the ring and um putting it on, on Rosser, uh waking up the ref. I mean, yeah, I mean I thought this was a very decent match, uh, only going for, you know, um close to 16 and a half minutes so uh, i thought was, i thought it was really well versed and um really enjoyed this match right here one thing
0: about this card was each match going from match to match kind of build your enjoyment for the next match coming up because the next match was the match that i was kind of personally looking forward to because it's mm-hmm. the motor machine guns Al shelley chris seven versus the west coast wrecking crew of Jarrell nelson and royce isaac is this the first time I've seen the West Coast Wrecking Crew? Because I really don't watch that much New Japan Strong Wrestling. But, man,
1: they were holding their own against the machine guns. They were definitely holding their own uh, against them, like you said. Uh, this only went for, like, uh, around nine and a half minutes. And um, the I, I thought the end pretty much came out of nowhere when the when Shelly made the save right there and they and the guns hit the, the team swing powerbomb uh, for the pin. But, uh, yeah, I mean, as you said, I mean, each match right here, has has a particular buildup and makes you excited for the next match. So I got to give props to both these teams, um, both these teams right here. And look, I mean, you know, the machine guns. It's really interesting where they're positioned at right now. Uh, they're mainly on impact, and uh, you know they've been around for a long time. And to this day, they still. I think they're. I mean, they are getting up there in age, but they still consider uh, they still uh, uh put themselves in in killer after killer uh, in terms of like match quality every uh, every time I see them you know, it makes me
0: want to see another Forbidden Door kind of crossover between Impact and AEW. I want to see the Ombuds versus Machine Guns now. I got a feeling they did it back in TNA back in the day when they were
1: there as Generation Me. But mm. I want to see this match again. Or, oh, hey, FTR versus Machine Guns. FTR versus Machine Guns. Oh, my goodness. Would that be one, one hell of a blockbuster right there? <laughs> and, yeah, I mean, that's a good point. I would love to see uh, a crossover event between AEW and Impact Wrestling. I mean, we had the talk. And then, well last year. Like I thought that uh, uh I thought that last year's Royal Rumble when Mickey James uh came out as the impact champion on, on WW on WWE programming uh, on their pay per view. Um I thought it could have led to somewhere, but it pretty much led to nowhere and didn't really have like a much of a relationship with WWE and Impact. So maybe Impact can go back to, you know, working some deals with AEW.
0: <laughs> exactly, Jake. We're moving on to the next match on the card. Now, this was Eddie Kingston versus Jay White. Now, if either gentlemen lost this match, they can't work for New Japan for wrestling going forward. So, I had the feeling that maybe Jay White could come up and at least win this one so he can stay on like, New, Japan, New Japan strong. But Eddie Kingston defeats them in ni- about 19 minutes. It was a freaking hard-hitting match, and it was a nice way for Jay White to leave the company. And he's about ready to do his um, go-away speech, say goodbye to the crowd and David Finley comes out, and just like his dad, nails Jay White with the Sulele, and now we know who's going to replace Jay White
1: as the major heel and New Dimension Strong. Yeah, he could, um, also an indicator right there that he could be the next leader of the Bullet Club. I, I thought this was my, yeah, this is definitely my second favorite match. Uh, while I was pretty sure that Jay White was losing, the near falls were so good that it had me doubting if we were be- being swerved, and I liked the heel turn uh, by David Finley. It felt like he had reached the ceiling of where a baby face run could take him in new Japan, moving to the heel side, opens up a lot of fresh matchups with him for him. And uh, as far as Jay White goes, uh, I mean, it was one hell of a match. And, and with Eddie Kingston, this is, this is the one I was most looking forward to. And they exceeded all expectations here. So I can't, I can't, <laughs> can't uh, stress this enough and praise this enough. I mean, yeah, I mean, really well done. And, um, And you know it's, oh man, it was it was really good when Kingston yanked down the straps of the singlet and allowed White to hit more trading chops. I mean, that moment of on 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 one of the on one of the turnbuckles when uh, uh, when Eddie Kingston was putting the uh, the Kawada uh, the Kawada chops on him (laughs) Uh, or the Kobashi chops in rather, Uh, it was such a fun match uh, to uh, match to watch uh, here. And uh, yeah, props to both guys.
0: Okay, so the next match on this card was the match that you kind of get me curious last week on the show is Tom Lawler. Versus Homicide in a filthy rules fight. Now, I've never seen this person of a wrestling match before. And, Jake, after I saw this, I had to go back and watch it again because it was so freaking good.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, uh, you see at the end of the match, your Lawler hit a back body drop onto a flat uh, ladder and whipped a chair at Homicide's face. Uh, and then you saw Homicide leaping off a ladder you know, onto, um, onto Lawler for a near fall. And hitting the knee strike to the back of the head. And right there, a sleeper hold on the mat. Homicide gave Lawler the middle finger, but then he passed out. I mean, Ian, Ian Rickabani here on commentary said it was the most violent match. Um, he has ever seen under the new Japan strong banner. And, uh, I tend to agree. It was, it was very good. It was 60 and a half minutes long, but it felt like it, it just breezed by so much. And dude, like <laughs> dude, like Tom Lawler. He has continued to impress me, uh, every time, uh, every time I see him on a uh, new Japan strong. And, um, I'm curious. I'm very curious to see where he heads next here. Uh, now that uh, new uh, that um, New Japan Strong is getting a revamp, uh, as of right now it's taking a hiatus. Hopefully, we'll get to see him more in um, actually in in Japan, and uh, maybe more um, heading into the G One, and maybe more like, maybe in the New Japan Cup as well, and uh, on pay per views actually in Japan as well, and maybe we can get to see him um, if Forbidden Door happens uh, this summer. I would love to see him actually in an AW ring too. Oh yes, I would love to see Tom Lawler like on
0: AEW TV versus almost anybody on that roster. I feel like this match here
1: made me a Tom Freaking Lawler fan. Yeah, me too. Yeah. I mean, I loved him for a long time, uh, going back to his UFC days, but uh yeah, you can't say enough about him. Okay, next matchup
0: on the card is the David Special of the Eman Cost, is Zach Freaking Saber Jr. versus Clark Connor for the New Japan Pro Wrestling TV Championship. It went 14 minutes and six seconds. And it was freaking, Matt wrestling classic.
1: Yep, absolutely. Uh, as you said, like TV title matches having a fifteen minute time limit, it just works off so well and keeps the rules intact. And at the end, it really delivered. Um, like with Zack Saber Junior. It was a, such a mad classic. And with Zack Saber Junior. Junior having so much charisma under his belt, it really helps this match um, exceed expectations. And uh, and it was so well delivered that um. I really yeah, and I really enjoyed it. So yeah, it was it was that short and but still like you know the the crowd was in offer it and uh yeah, I really really enjoyed this match as well.
0: Isn't this amazing to see that same regime work and see how many freaking submission hosts that he knows and how he
1: can transition from one to another? So seamlessly. So seamlessly. Yeah. I mean he he's a submission machine and reminds me of uh, how Dean Malenko used to uh trade off back in the day. So yeah, I mean it's it's really authentic Brit Rez. Uh, European style wrestling that he has uh, under his belt, and I really want to see him in more in a top position uh, this year because he he really damn well deserves it. Hopefully, going for the for the for the heavyweight championship uh, someday too.
0: Well, I can see that now, Jack Since we have Jay White moving on from New Japan Pro Wrestling, there's a more open hillside for the top tier talent in New Japan Pro Wrestling, and you gotta yeah. think they got saber Junior pencil in there somewhere.
1: You have to do it. Like at this point, you have to do it.
0: Okay, Jake, we're up to the two last matches on this card. Now, they did a smart thing here. They billed this as a double main event, because last week we were talking about which one of these matches would be the main event. But we're up to the IWGP Women's Championship match. It's Mercedes Malone versus Kyrie. This match went 26 minutes and 47 seconds, and it was freaking good. Now, my only minor pet peeve about this was the ref bumped so they could go
1: outside and do some stuff on the outside
0: but this match was freaking yeah. amazing.
1: Yeah. You know Mercedes and Kyrie was that epically good and topped all expectations. Uh, I remember that live smackdown back uh in the summer of uh, 2021 when when Sasha returned after several months off. Uh you know she was a baby face upon return uh, and then but then attacked uh, Bianca by the end of the night. I recall thinking that night that uh, her heart just didn't seem into it and I felt that way for the next several months, um, and especially until leaving WWE. But that wasn't the case tonight. Uh, she was so fresh and motivated, and coming out. And we got to mention uh, her entrance coming out, um, giving a tribute to Hana Kimura and having her uh, dress up like Hana Kimura. Uh, that really got me. Uh, got me, and uh, I was so impressed, and uh, got me a little bit emotional on that on that uh, on that aspect right there. Uh, She felt so fresh and motivated and was the wrestler who knocked our socks off uh, during her NXT run. Um, In retrospect, I thought this should have been the main event, uh, to be honest with you, because it was that spectacular. And I wonder myself, like, how can you follow this match?
0: Jake, I'm right there with you, because in hindsight, I would have flipped these two matches around because I felt like Okada and Kanahashi. Yes, it was a good match, but story wise, Mercedes and Curry, they brought it. They're like, we're going to throw down the gauntlet. And the guys, they almost took it, but they didn't really take it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I agree with you. Okay, Jake, we're on to the second of the two main events. It's for the IGP World Heavyweight Championship. It's Okada versus Tanahashi. And Jake, these guys cannot have a bad match. They can literally wake up three minutes later, get together, and have a freaking Matt Classic. This was your traditional New Japan Pro Wrestling main event.
1: Absolutely. I mean you can't go wrong with these two pretty much. I mean, they've done, they've done it with each other so many times, like they can probably do it in their sleep because it's so natural to them. And uh, yeah, I mean, obviously they, they've done so many times, but it feels like it still feels like it's new and it's, a, it's still a fresh matchup. which uh, props to both of them uh, only a 21 minutes. And, um, and when Tanahashi went for the top rope, but Okada caught him with the drop kick. Uh, it was a very good match. But, um, probably a step below the women's match but still i really enjoy i really still really enjoyed the match um i wouldn't say it was the best okada tanahashi match i would probably um refer back to wrestle kingdom 10 back in 2016 when it was like an all-out it was an all-out slobber knocker uh, shout out jim ross um but still you know every time you see these two uh, on the mat um you, you can't uh, you can't deny that uh, these uh these two are have Tremendous chemistry for a long time, and uh, they can do anything to impress the crowd. So, yeah, still, still a fantastic match. Uh, Jake, remember last week when
0: I said New Japan Pro Wrestling could take my $20, and I feel like I would get entertained? Jake, they overdelivered. delivered I felt like my $20 was well-spent on this card.
1: Mm-hmm. Absolutely, especially on Fight TV. And, um, you know, it's very interesting, um, because overall, the show was great. And, um, and you know, the thing is, is that uh, this was a pay-per-view, on top of your New Japan World subscription, but you can also buy it on Fight TV. Do you think we're going to see maybe more of these continue to happen, uh, especially if they do uh, come back to the US? Um, maybe it will. Um, maybe uh, do you, eventually could we see um, Wrestle Kingdom uh, every year turn into a, a pay-per-view on top of your, on top of your uh, usual uh, events? Um, remains to be seen. Exactly. I mean, it could give them a
0: possibility to have an extra revenue stream for Wrestle Kingdom, but I feel like the thing that gives you the most value for your world, new Japan world account is the fact that you get wrestle there on new Japan world's um, app and website. So it's just a question that they feel like they can expand their viewership by going into partnership with fight TV, or is it risking too much
1: and having some people delete their new Japan world account? Mm -hmm. Yeah. As of right now, I'm not feeling that, uh, but because I'm enjoying, because I'm still enjoying what new Japan does um, because, you know, and with the, with the vast archive, but uh it still remains to be seen. I hope they don't do it too much, though, because that could that could lead to uh, some some more overwhelming uh, thoughts than that. And, you know, it's it's quality over quantity, which I rather prefer to see.
0: Well, I feel like if they do it like three or four times a year, they just do it when they come to the States and do it for like 15, 20 bucks. I feel like everybody will be happy. They will, a lot of people won't care.
1: Yeah, yeah, I can definitely see that.
0: OK, Jake, we're going to slide over to WWE Elimination Chamber. Now, last week. I was the one saying that I wasn't looking forward to this card whatsoever, and boy, did they deliver this pay per view and made me look like I had egg on my face.
1: (laughs) Hey, hey, I was the hey, I I look, I was excited for this uh, card right there and right here, and uh, they they pretty much like overexceeded it, uh, overexceeded my expectations. So, (laughs) I mean, you know, it's I know with WWE cards, we tend to get uh, the most under deliver uh the most uh instances of under delivering under delivering but uh th- this has to be the exception of the rule right here
0: jake there's only one match on this card that wasn't freaking good and it was the shortest match on the card and i was kind of happy it was the shortest
1: match on the card and you know it was you know what i'm talking about yeah um look lesnar and lashley it was a lot of fun while it lasted uh but the low blow finish uh was very weak uh, as much as they were able to win over the live crowd by having Lesnar destroy Lashley and the referee after the match, um, it, it was just a still a bad finish and still underwhelming to, to the viewer. You know, I, I'm just so tired of this matchup uh, between Lesnar and Lashley. I mean, I'm not sure where this leaves things after Wyatt stated on SmackDown that the survivor of the match better run, but... Uh, yeah, I mean, in terms of like Lashley and Lesnar, I mean, there, there's just no, there's just no momentum, uh, left. I mean, it, you can argue they probably didn't have momentum going into this match, but you know, it, it, yeah, I mean, it was just a another typical, uh, Lesnar dominant, uh, repetitive type of match, and I, I just really think he really needs to freshen, uh, freshen up his type of, you know, how his character is presented. Um, maybe, uh. It's probably not going to happen, but I really like to see uh, kind of like a switch where uh, Lesnar begins to uh, lose his touch and uh, people uh, finally seeing uh, that play out. And yeah, I mean, I was yeah, I wasn't a fan of this match at all.
0: Well, it only lasted four minutes and 45 seconds, and I feel like they could split the time difference here and give it to either Edge and Vet fans versus the Judgment Day or give the ladies this maybe two more minutes in their Elimination Chamber match, because I feel like this card could survive being a four-match card. Mm, yeah. Well, speaking of the Women's Elimination Chamber match, we had also defeating Carmelo, Liv Morgan, Natalya, Nikki Cross, and Raquel Gonzalez in about 19 minutes and 30 seconds. And this Chamber match, I feel like, was better than the Men's Chamber match. Except for there's a star-making moment in the Men's Chamber match, we'll come to. But the right person won here. Asuka should have been the one leaving this chamber as the person that's probably going to beat Bianca at WrestleMania for the Raw Women's Championship.
1: Yeah. um, A fun chamber match with the right person going over in a fairly dominant fashion. Uh, Asuka was clearly the most compelling possibility to challenge Bianca at WrestleMania. And they even put her over strong in TV matches that led up to the match. Um, My biggest criticism of this match is that the final two kind of lack suspense uh, I honestly thought Carmella was going to be the first person eliminated. She's a good heel who generates solid heat. I had no problem uh, with Carmella sticking around and even being a part of the final three, but I thought it, it kind of felt obvious that uh, Asuka was going to be the victor uh, once it came down to uh, to the two of them. While I still like, would have expected to, uh, an Asuka win no matter who was in the final two, um, I think an Asuka and... Uh, Raquel Rodriguez battle could have led to some second guessing and perhaps even given um, Raquel a good boost in a competitive loss. But uh, yeah, I mean, still still a, a fun chamber match here. CJ, I'm right
0: there with you. I would
1: have had Raquel be the person
0: left with Oscar at the end. Now, another person they put over strong in this match was Liv Morgan because it took two people to eliminate Liv Morgan in this match.
1: Yeah, I mean, you know, Liv Morgan, uh, we we know that she's a very polarizing character, but the way that uh, she handled herself um in, in in the terms of you know struggle and um trying to overcome those boundaries especially in this match really uh, present herself very uh, very well so i'm curious to see what uh they have uh next in store for her.
0: Me as well. So we already talked about Bobby Lassie versus Rob Lesnar. We're going to skip over that. We're going over to Edge and Beth Vance versus the judgment day. This was an entertaining match and I was kind of surprised mm. that Edge and Beth got the victory here. But we saw last night on Monday Night Raw that Edge and Fanbar are probably heading to a WrestleMania match, but this mixed-person match was pretty enjoyable.
1: Hmm. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Judgment Day lost most of their heat from their attack on Phoenix due to the long gap uh, between the angle at Extreme Rules and this mixed tag match. But despite those issues, they came through with a crowd-pleasing performance. It was unfortunate that uh, Beth was late to break, to break up the pin, uh, but I hope, I, I really hope that they had a, I can see that they had a ton of fun of this match, ton of fun of this match, um, with this on Monday and having uh, Balor take issue with this historically. Um, but yeah, I mean, obviously we've talked about it. So, you know, Edge and Finn Balor might be the next program uh, heading into uh, WrestleMania, and um, I could possibly see an opportunity to fin for Finn to um, to go over here. And um, you know, Ed, you know, it's interesting because Edge talked about in the, later in the press conference that uh, he's still looking at uh, options uh, whether uh, he will. He will begin to hang up the boots, uh, possibly by the end of the year. I mean, he was talking. Mean, I think John Pollock asked the question uh, whether uh, he wants to continue or not. And uh, you know, Edge is still like, um, still having discussions on- to himself and still figuring out, to- figuring out on what he, on what he wants to do. So, I mean, yeah. I mean, curious to see where Edge uh, con- Edge continues to uh, uh, to present himself in twenty twenty three. You know, coming out of this match, I kind of want to see Bev Spears versus
0: Rhea Ripley in a one on one match. Maybe that can be the first challenger after Ripley defeats Sharp for WrestleMania for the SmackDown title. Mm-hmm. They maybe want to see a single match between those two ladies.
1: That'll be interesting. Interesting a scenario right there. So, yeah.
0: Okay, Jake. We're moving on to the men's elimination chamber. It was for the United States Championship. And, you know, we're going into this going thing. Man, this is a weak chamber idea for the, the secondary title. They kind of entertained. And they made a star in Montez Ford because I felt like he just came in with like. I'm going to put myself over and this is going to be my star making moment.
1: Well, the fact that he went up uh, to the top of the cage on top of the chamber and uh, did that spot right there, uh, which is incredible to watch. Uh, if you look at, um, uh, look at the, uh, the low angle, the low angle shots of him dropping down uh, to the floor and uh, on, on to, for that great spot. I mean, <laughs> it, it, it made himself, uh, made himself look very dominant and, And uh, we we are seeing a a superstar in the making right here. Um, A great chamber match. Everyone had the moment to shine, and they came up with so many innovative spots. Um, You know, with Ford, he also did an amazing job of selling the Stomp Spot, which brought in the trainers and created a way for Logan Paul to enter the chamber and cost Rollins the match. Um, If there was one uh, criticism... Uh, it's at the finish, once again, cast theory as the opportuni- opportunistic uh, past heel when it felt like uh, the whole point of his character growing up was to make him feel like something more than that. Of course, it's something that can be fixed quickly uh, with a high-profile win at WrestleMania. But, you know, I still, like, this this great, this this chamber match, I still thought was, was excellent to watch. Yeah, it was. It was a great watch. And they basically built two WrestleMania
0: programs out of this, as we saw the return of Logan Paul. And he was the one that caused Seth freaking Raw his chance for another run as the United States Champion. And Austin Theory benefited, and he came out still your WWE United States Champion and probably heading to a match with a certain John Cena. And a victory over John Cena would basically put the rocket on Austin
1: Theory. Raw is coming to Boston, and John Cena is coming back. So that could be an opportunity for Austin Theory to, uh, to interrupt him and challenge him. And uh, that'll be one heck of a match uh, that, I'm looking for- that I'll looking be looking forward to. And uh, obviously, John Cena, the the way that he's so professional, the professional that he is, um, I'm pretty sure he's going to help make Austin Theory uh, look like a star in that match too.
0: Okay, Jake, we're up to the main event. It's Roman Reigns versus Semi saying for the Undisputed WWE Universal Championship. And Jake, I was watching this live, and it made me feel like if there's anything close to Rocky Ford that could be in real life, this was it, because Roman was basically Rocky walking into Moscow. As everybody was booing him out of the
1: building, mm-hmm, absolutely. And the way I remember that moments in, um, I think it was the night after uh, WrestleMania, uh, thirty three, and we saw uh, we saw Roman getting uh, uh getting uh booed out, booed the crap, but uh, when the crowd booed the crap out of him, uh, and which I thought he should have turned heel there, but it, it definitely remind uh, took me back to that moment right here, uh, because Dude, it's like coming in and man, you can see all the anger. Uh, in the crowd hating on Roman Reigns, like, and the way and the way he sold that, um, saying like this is my yard. I mean, goodness gracious, like, hey, like, dude, like Roman, like he did not have that babyface charisma, but as a heel, like we've seen it, like he's proven one uh, time and time and again that uh, as a heel he's so much better. Like you know, it's like they should have like just done this at the beginning of his run here. I agree with you, Jake, because I feel like this is.
0: Basically, Roman Reigns best run ever. And part of me does want to see it in at WrestleMania. Part of me wants to see him defeat Cody. And you know how I, I love Cody.
1: Yeah, I mean, yeah, but at some points, like there has to be a payoff uh, to all this. But uh, yeah, I, I definitely I definitely concur with that yeah. aspect too. Well, this match, basically, it gave you every one
0: except for the ending of the match. I feel like they could have gave Sammy the victory here, but they went with their plans. And Roman won here. And we saw basically jay Uso come down and roma got into jay's face going like do you want to pick me or you want to pick sammy here's a chair why you're not using a chair i'm your family use the freaking chair
1: <laughs> Jeez, like at first coming in i predicted that jay would choose reigns and cause zane the match i also predict that they would send the, the crowd home happy with a, with full-on zane and with a full-on zane and kevin owens reunion to set them up uh, but yeah, I thought, but the creative team wisely saved those major developments as so that they would have their own key moments uh, during the remaining build to WrestleMania, and it continues to feel like the cre- the company's creative direction is pretty much in a decent hand. So, um, I was disappointed. Um, uh, overall, like I kind of expected that Roman would retain here. At the same time, like I, I kind of wish that you know Sammy won the title here because he's like, it's it's Montreal and put over the... Uh, finally. Like WWE has his hand of um of not putting over the hometown hero. And, uh, well, unfortunately, this still happened uh, on this night. Uh, but still, overall, it was it was a it was a very fun spectacle, um, for, and a very fun main event. Jake, this is some of the best WWE storytelling
0: that I have seen, and God knows when. Because I feel like they have basically hit every button you need as you go along the story. And the fact that you didn't have Sami Zayn and Kevin Owens hug at the end of Elimination Chamber, and you come to Money Night Raw, and Sami's like, Hey Kevin, we've been trying to fight Roman singly. We need to join forces. And Kevin's like, "No, thank you." Um, by the way, do you remember where Rubble? You didn't help me there.
1: Yeah, which is kind of interesting that uh, he said that, considering how many times he stabbed uh, Sammy, Sammy in the back as well. <laughs> if he if he did remember, um, uh, going back when they first started with the company. But uh, yeah, I, I, it definitely makes sense uh, to not see that uh, immediately go off, and um, because like, yeah, they should definitely save this and to see Kevin Owens have that hesitancy. It really, it really, uh, it really reeks of very good storytelling right there. Do not rush this build right here. Like, let it progress over, uh progress time after time, and let it have that slow build and keep keep uh, that suspension of disbelief uh there. So, yeah, I mean, I thought it was very well done and uh great performances by all by all involved, especially Jay Uso. You know, there's one more thing from this weekend that we need to talk about, Jake, and it happened Friday night
0: on Twitter as we were watching um, Friday Night Spentdown. Tony kind of called out ariel wani and basically saying that he wasn't a legit journalist and he kind of compared ariel to the main broadcaster for AEW dynamite tony shivani in a way tony kind of took a shot at tony
1: it it was a very weird interaction uh this past friday uh i it it, uh, it was a very pleasant surprise to see ariel uh there at uh, on friday uh but it made sense because it it was also his hometown uh, of, of montreal um it's interesting because he he did talk about this about the um talk about his whole experience yesterday on the MA hour um on a show the MA hour on mafighting.com and uh pretty much explained how it went down and uh, it was pretty much like a, a last minute decision because he flew he, he already flew there uh, to be a part of the BT crew and uh i think it was uh, michael Cole and bruce pritchard that came up to him and uh like I think within like the last uh within the last couple hours of a SmackDown beginning and um saying that do you want to be a part of the show and just do a couple of hits? And I wouldn't have minded this. I probably wouldn't have um um cared about this too much if Tony Khan didn't make this like uh such a bigger issue. Uh be and you know, when when Ariel uh found out about it, he, I mean the thing is is that Knowing Ariel Hawani, and I've met him a couple of times, um, we've exchanged some emails together, and uh, he, he's a very well rounded person, uh, very, very kind to me. Um, uh, but the thing is that he had to deal with a lot of crap uh, over the years, uh, especially when working as, as a full time MMA uh reporter. And you know, the way Dana White has treated him uh, over the years, like, I can understand him having this chip on his shoulder and uh, and telling and telling, uh, telling us that, you know, he's not going to be bullied, uh, by, by, uh, selfish antics, so he decided to snipe back. Now, again, like, I wish he could have handled it, uh, another way. Don't get me wrong, like, Tony was wrong in starting, in starting, uh, this issue, and, and this all goes back to, uh, to the, the interview that both these guys, uh, had back before the end of the year, and, uh, Ariel himself uh, didn't uh, didn't enjoy it. Called it the worst, like one of the worst interviews in his career, and uh, unfortunately, like you know, Tony uh, decided to snipe back at him um, uh, during SmackDown, and it it was very unfortunate because I thought both guys looked didn't look very well uh, coming out of this, and and Ariel uh, decided to snipe back and uh, putting out there the uh, the snowman comment. Um, Yeah, I I definitely thought it crossed the line uh, there, and. He should have like at least just ignored it and moved on, uh. But, you know, it became much more of a bigger situation coming out of the weekend, which is which is pretty unfortunate. Now, you know, the deeper issue that uh, probably wouldn't have been mentioned if Tony Khan didn't uh, uh, didn't snipe at, uh, snipe at him on Twitter is that you know it's is it is it a conflict to cover this industry and show up on wwe programming because he said himself on on show uh the mma hour uh this past monday that uh he would not do it for uh, mma like he would not uh do this for if ufc asked him if bellator asked him if pfl asked him because he covers mixed martial arts on a regular basis he is a mixed martial arts journalist first and foremost and he explained here that uh he doesn't consider himself a wrestling journalist that being said, he has reported on wrestling news. If you remember, like, when the whole Saudi rumors came out, I mean, Ariel has sources with WWE, and uh, he immediately jinxed that uh, rumor out. So, I mean, this does come into question now. It, now And also, he has interviewed uh, WWE superstars and various wrestlers and, and wrestlers, but... After this, like he said himself, like he's open to working W with WWE again. He's also open to working with AEW because like he doesn't I mean, he 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 has interviewed um AEW wrestlers. I mean, obviously with MJF and Brian Danielson and Thunder Rosa. But yeah, I mean I wish that Ariel could have handled this a different way. But still, you know, Tony Khan did fan the flames and made it a much more bigger issue than than it is. So um it's unfortunate that is uh it has delved uh, into this uh, down the drain even further, but uh, really unfortunate situation. But uh, I could see like with dynamite coming up, uh, I could see maybe Tony Khan poking fun at this situation because you know he can't help himself and um uh, making some reference to this uh, along the lines because you saw Michael Cole did it at Elimination Chamber uh, calling uh, when when they uh. Uh, when they had the hit with uh with Ariel and a uh, George St. Pierre calling Ariel uh, the comment uh, with, with the comment saying uh, the unbiased journalist asking the most real questions. I can definitely um, see uh, Tony Khan making that important announcement, snipe back at, uh, snipe back at him um, just because he can't, because I'm pretty sure that he can't help himself right there. So yeah, I mean, an unfortunate situation, but, uh, but the fans, but the fans seem to enjoy it. So it's, but yeah, still pretty polarizing. Jake, I'm kind
0: of right there with you because I was at work Friday night and I remember you messaged me the tweets and I kind of read them out of order. So I was kind of lost for a second. Then I realized, oh, wait a minute. So Khan took the first shot. Then Ariel saw it and he's like, oh, you know what? I'll just one up this. And I'll go like, yeah, um, Tony, you're a legend. Don't worry about what the snowman says. And I knew exactly what he meant by the snowman comment. I was going like, Oh, you had to go there. It just felt (laughs) like it felt like two guys who were at a bar. They got into a fight and just happened to be on Twitter. And I feel like a couple of days down the road, maybe a couple of months down the road, they're going to look at this and go like, what the hell did we do? I
1: hope they do. I hope they do. Just look back and probably couldn't have taken further than this. But uh, yeah, it was (laughs) it was pretty unfortunate what happened here. Ariel did mention that uh, there was, you know, there was people who uh, who. In the back uh, during elimination chamber, who loved seeing it. They were high fiving him. I mean, we always talked about um, talked about the war between the uh, war between you know AEW and WWE and the and the constant you know bickering and, and like Ariel mentioned it um, uh, during the MMA hour that uh, like backstage there was a lot of like high fiving and uh, and uh, people like cheering uh, cheering him on uh, backstage um, like when he when he sniped back to Tony Khan. Uh we always talk about the tribalism between both AEW and WWE. Um, and you know, this is definitely one instance here. Like like I, I see a lot of like people saying that, oh, only tr- only the fans enjoy the tribalism, uh, mostly the the AEW fans. But if you think that there's no tribalism in the WWE side of things, like you're out of your mind.
0: Exactly. I mean, like, we're basically back in a mini kind of Monday night war in a way, because you get people who are pro aew and they'll go out and tweet at hawani like tony khan's so great why are you doing about tony khan then you got all these people who are anti aew pro wwe guys who are just like doing the same thing but just in reverse and it was
1: entertaining but in a way it's still kind of sad absolutely a lot of uh pandering and um Unfortunately for me, it didn't. It kind of rubbed me the wrong way uh, coming out of this. So it's like you know, Ariel supposed to handle is supposed to handle himself professionally uh, as a journalist, as a reporter. Uh, but at the same time, with Tony Khan being a billionaire, like he he should still represent uh, his company and his brand much better than that. So that's my thought there. You know, I
0: kind of, I'm kind of leaning to being pro um, Hawaii here, just for how everything started out. And the fact that Tony Khan kind of mentioned he t- took a swing at Ariel, but he also mentioned one of the people that was working for him in Tony Schiavone, and I'm going like, that's your main player. That's your main employee doing your best work on your main show. I don't think that's the comparison you want to do there if you're trying to make a negative comparison to Hawani.
1: <laughs> I, I, I didn't think it was such an intentional swipe at Shivani. Maybe it's like Maybe, maybe no, was I like don't eat. I don't point. either. Yeah. But yeah, it still it still pretty much looked bad as well. So <laughs> it's kind of like "quote unquote" collateral damage here. Yeah, definitely agree with you there. Um, just still a lot of like uh, it's it was an egotistical moment with with both guys because these two are very like high headed, uh, like very hard headed, and uh, both are not going to take like like both are not going to take a lot of BS. So. Yeah, but very unfortunate, and uh, I wish they could have handled themselves much differently than it is. Exactly. I couldn't say it better
0: myself, Jake. And ladies and gentlemen, before we go on this episode of of Free Professional Wrestling, allow me to tell you what's coming up on next week's episode. Me and David were able to sit down with Andy Shepard, the voice at NST UK yesterday, for about 40 minutes, and we're going to have most of that interview next week on the show. We basically talk about his time in NST UK working for the WWE and what he might believe could happen if there wasn't a pandemic and if NST UK was able to do um the takeover in Dublin. And if you want to check out some of Annie's work, he's gonna be at the Floyd Mayweather fight at the L2 arena coming up this weekend. So I can't wait for you to listen to this interview. Annie was freaking awesome. Jake, where can we find you on the super information super highway?
1: Great show today, Sean. Uh, really appreciate you having me. And uh, shout out to David. Hope he's enjoying his time off as of right now. Uh, you can follow me on the uh, the information superhighway at Jake Allnar on Twitter and at jakealnar.mp4 on Instagram.
0: And until we see you next week on Radio Free Professional Wrestling, always visit www.realfreepw.com for all your information from about the show. And until next week, Jake and everybody. Have a freaking stunning week,
1: brother. This is Sergeant Arms of Christina on behalf of the guys. Thanks for listening to today's show. Please head over to Apple Podcasts and leave a five-star rating and review. Until next time, the liberation continues.